You're listening to Eternal Patrol, Chad and Jesse. My name is Tom Rintard Davis, and I'm telling you the truth. Greetings, loved ones. Let's take a journey. Things in this world that that you know need need God that need to change. sorry for myself and finally I surrendered and he uh, told me Jeremy be humble and so my my message is, is to help others now um, through prayer and, and, and through being an example so you know I'm, I want to be living proof to people that there is hope and we can turn our lives around and that through the power of prayer and having a good support group you know anything is possible yes uh, you know um, I, I'm in recovery as well and the it's uh, you know, I went through all the treatment processes I know several times, and none of that worked for me ever. I mean, like it was always there was this always this emptiness inside of me, this hole that was always needed to be filled, and I filled it with every kind of addiction possible. You know, and, um, you know, drug addiction, sexual addiction, whatever it may be, I I had it, um, and uh, it wasn't until I hit my darkest hour, my darkest moment. You know, I had like my my outward God, you know, and I, I always say this, and I use the parable of uh, Lieutenant Dan on the the Jenny. Whenever the storm hits and they, they all the shrimp boats are are shipwrecked, uh, so I kind of compare my salvation story to because is I was having my outward God. I mean, I was really letting him know how I felt about him, what I thought about him, and what I felt like he did in my life, and that's when he, you know, he showed up in my life. And you know, I realized shortly after that it wasn't God that was that was uh, letting me down. It was myself letting me down, and not only myself. You know, it was people. You know, there was people that hurt me. It wasn't my. It wasn't God, and then it was uh, myself included. You know, adding to the damage. So, I you know, it took a long time. He brought me through a process where he put me face to face with people that represented pretty much represented the demons of my past you know and i had to be forgiving and out for grace and in, in the moments and then also he he had me experience things in a way that all the hurtful things i did to other people i like what we talked about last night that's you know like our story being the survival guide for the next person but i don't remember the exact uh, analogy you use but you know, God lifted us and pulled us out of there and wiped us off, and, and now He's sending us back in to get yeah. it. Um, yeah, I've had this. Uh, see, it's kind of it's kind of crazy because we we have Jordan Felice coming here to New Song Church. He's from Tennessee. Um, this cooling drive that is going on in the Turtle Mountains that uh, happening this weekend and on uh, October tenth up in the Turtle Mountains for the you know cooling drive and everything. That was a ministry from Tennessee that delivered the coals up here. Uh, Tennessee's kind of been highlighted to me, and I got this prophetic word about seven months ago from a pastor out there. I never met, never knew. We just had some mutual groups on Facebook that we were a part of. Yeah. And he, one morning I woke up to this message from this, this pastor, and he's like, I don't know who you are. I've never met you, he said. And he was, I've uh, seen a couple of your things on, on Facebook, he said, with your... Uh, radio station um he goes but i had a dream about you last night and i have a prophetic word for you and then what his prophetic word was this he said you know he said god is building up this new generation of leaders and these leaders are not any kind of leaders that they don't look like the kind of leaders that we're used to seeing coming from you know uh god's kingdom these leaders have been been people that have been in the darkness most of their life they've lived that lifestyle and now they became they came out they become children of light and I built these leaders up for for in order for them to go back into the darkness to pull people out of the darkness. And he said, "You and I are both part of that generation of leaders." And he goes, "I believe you and I are gonna are gonna meet someday, and we're gonna be doing some you know some ministry work together." He said, "So I look forward to it." I thought he was nuts. You know, I didn't know what he was talking about, and this was before I even had accepted anything here at the at this uh, at the church in the station or an official role. I had been here for a couple of years already. I just hadn't. A, you know, accepted official role or anything like that, which uh, <laughs> we were joking because I got my official new song, uh, my new song email the other day. <laughs> um, so I was gonna say, uh, 
I believe God highlighted you to me in that same way He I was highlighted to him and I believe you are also one of them them particular type of leaders I mean like I really really pray like from my mentor I learned to pray about everybody in every situation and uh, and he told me you know I said well how do you know you know I asked him I'm curious about things like that and he said he goes when when God highlights somebody to me I pray for about him for quite a while and then he goes um you know, he'll tell me how to, to go forward and mentoring them in instruction. And uh, he told me what he, his, what God's message is about me. And I, you know, I know what God said to me about you. And, and I believe that's, um, you know, I, there's, a, there's something that's going to be coming to the turmoil. There's going to be, God's going to move in that place. I believe so as well. I, I know he's going to. So, and I believe you and several others that I, I know up in the area are, are a big part of that when it happens. Absolutely. Um, God puts things in our path, you know, for whatever reason. And we may not always see it. <clears throat> There's a, even a, a parable, um, not necessarily a parable, but a quote from um, um, Sitting Bull. You know, Sitting Bull basically says, you know, if you're walking in this new modern world, and it's not verbatim, but as you're yeah. walking in this new modern world and you're going to find many things to be good and bad, and if you find that it not, it's not good, put it down and continue walking. So we focus on what's good in our life. I know one thing, I was sober from 2001 to 2012 and I was a sober person. I always talk about there's so sobriety and there's recovery. Yeah. Completely different, you know, and I was a white knuckle sober person, faking it till I make it and I never did make it because I toyed with the thought in the back of my head for years that maybe I'll drink wine when I get older or, you know, if I'm an old man, maybe I'll smoke a joint here or there. That hasn't happened. And I know that like when they say, you know, when I when I when I relapsed, I relapsed for you know over five years, and and I seen the progression of it. You know, I had an affair on my wife. You know, got in trouble with the law. You know, was doing drugs, drinking every day. I mean, every day just to kind of keep that little tingle, that little bit of a feel going all the time. And of course, there's gonna be people that say, you know, gee, you know, you know, his chairman is a bad guy. There goes that, you know, you know, drug addict or alcoholic. You know the. There's, there's the the critical people who label people one way, and you know they, they that's the people that are that's they're usually suffering with something inside themselves, you know. At that, you know, I saw. Well, the, the the one of the I guess nicer things I've heard was, you know, those people who judge you, they're the creditors. But guess what? God forgave all your debt. There you go. That's that's the, whoever said that's a wise man. Um, you know, God, God's a miracle worker and he's a miracle creator. I mean, he, he created the, you know, he created the heavens and the earth and everything in six days. He can certainly change a person's heart in one. And, um, Absolutely. you know, uh, we're, I'll talk, we'll get in a little more a little later about what we were talking about last night, as far as like the ministry stuff that I was talking about, because I really, uh, kind of wanted to, you know, share my thoughts and get your thoughts on all of that as well. But I just, you know, right now is a... You're running for travel council up there, and um, you know I'm I'm an outspoken person. I I don't try to keep I don't try to I'm not anybody that's gonna try to hide anybody or be you know but you know um, I told you last night that I was voting for you because I thought you were the best candidate, and I, I stick with that. And um, and and it's not it's just you know there's a lot of different reasonings for my cho choice, and and if I wasn't voting for you, I'd be honest and tell you that too as well. Um, so. And the reasoning why is because I believe that your ideas align with mine as far as what I think the Turtle Mountains need, the Turtle Mountains need, and um, you know I have no motive for for anything other than I want to bring healing and help to the to the reservation. I thought about something what we had talked about last night, John, and it, and it stuck with me because I continued right away this morning thinking about it. Yeah, um, and it was about our youth, <clears throat> and you know. I always said, I said right off the get-go, I don't want to sound rhetorical and some come out and say, I'm going to be there for the youth. I'm going to yeah. be there for the culture. And I, I really have something of substance that I want to do. And, and I'm talking about real change. And yes. I'm talking like sticking my hands right into the, you know, grassroots type of thing. But I was thinking about my, my own personal addictions and my own traumas in life that I've had to deal with. And uh, my wife and I were talking, but this goes ties into what you and I were talking about, was I thought I maybe turn towards these things that are, that are not healthy for us, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, all of those spiritually, because of a, abandonment when I was a child. I lived with my grandma, and, and I thought, you know, that's only part of it. I said, and this is me and my wife talking, I said, a lot of it has to do with um, 
the learned behavior we have because I started drinking when I was 12 years old. Yeah, and I mean, and then, like I was in the cities when at 12, but I mean, I started using drugs at 12, and but I well, as soon as I got sent back to reservation a couple years later because I got kicked out of the school district in Minneapolis, that was the norm. You know, yeah. the kids, you know, we were, they were already a couple years into boozing already back there, you know, and I hadn't even tried alcohol. I mean, a little bit here and there, but I mean, I was but I was already doing like crack cocaine and stuff like that. I mean, I was, yeah. you know, so I mean, I but I had access to that kind of stuff in the city. Yeah. And um, it's that's what you, I agree with you. As a youth up there, the mindset of what is normal, well, here, here, here's here, here's a, here's an example. My son Cameron, mm-hmm. he saw a friend of mine who his wife and their child were walking out, and um, they all got in one vehicle and they drove off. My, my son Cameron thought that wasn't. My son Cameron thought that wasn't normal, and uh, he thought, you know, why didn't uh, why didn't he? Excuse me, I'll have to call him back. Uh, he thought that was odd, no, not normal. So. But we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Let's turn up the truth 100.7 FM. Okay. What this? I don't know who this is on the phone right now. I don't know. Hello. On the live on the Facebook live. Okay. Uh, I gotta change the mic set. All right. I got to. I got it. Yeah. Thanks. What's wrong? Okay, listen, look, put your Facebook live feed on. Okay, talk. See, someone said we could, they couldn't hear us on the Facebook live. Could you hear it? Yeah. It's playing. You could hear, you could hear the volume? Oh, no. Okay, that's, we got to change the volume right here. All right, end it right here. Someone was saying that. Oh, yeah, they were all, the sound they were working, yeah, they were all saying it too. Okay, I'll have to change the sound. Um... It's, uh, okay. Monty was saying it too. Oh, was he? Yeah. I gotta go back here. Sound isn't working. Sound isn't working. Everybody. Okay, got you, man. <laughs> now we got, we got to repeat that? No. Oh, I didn't, well, I didn't even hit this right here too. I got to hit this. I didn't even, uh, I'll get to my point too. Yeah. Um, ELP Bismarck. This is the new Club Radio 100.7 FM. Doesn't come with business. Okay, I gotta get this fixed here. Jordan, please, my man. Jordan, Don't know what Jordan believes <laughs> Did you hear him? Yeah. That's so funny the way he talks. Do you want to go to rap? Oh, my gosh. Sir Mix a lot. Is he going to be on the same one or do I got to re- repost? No, you'll probably have to be repost. Okay, let me hold. Where can people get tickets? <laughs> they all they gotta do is get tickets. Well, it's on there right now. Yeah, I know. Is it? That's, the, is that, that's right now? Yes. Oh, that's the old one. You have to. I gotta change the. There you go. Hopefully that works right there. Up there. Okay, it's gonna go live again now. This uh, hit uh, it should be live now. Um, tell them to go to Club Radio Live too. A holy ghost gurgler? What in the world is a holy ghost gurgler? You don't know what a holy ghost gurgler is? I can add the audio from this too, from the podcast, to the Facebook Live too. (laughs) My little guy. Oh, there's a buzzing. Uh, Is that your phone? Close, too close to the mic. Yeah, it's too close to the mic. Yeah, that's the one. Got it? Alright, let me open it now. 
Facebook will mute us too sometimes when I'm not doing the, um, when I'm not, when I don't have uh, rights to the, um, to the music, you know? Yeah. I actually have copyrights to all of it, but I mean, I just, not on my Facebook, you know? Yeah, I had this all set up a lot better. I had like, my cameras everywhere, you know? Yeah. I had to start taking everything apart because I want to put it like a round table here with like some chairs like that around it. Yeah. And have the mics hanging down so yeah. it's like more of a comfortable setting for everybody. Today's a six, right? Uh, yeah, no, today's seven. Seven? Yesterday was a six. I like this. a lot of this, like this, some of this stuff right here. Yeah, man, it's good. A lot of good music. Here. Jordan Fleece has got a lot of good music. I'll get to my uh, my point too. Oh, well, well, we got time, man. We could just like, and you know what? If Carol if Carol wanted to come in and talk a little bit with you, she can too. You know, because like you know, actually, that's one thing I want to start doing is bringing in the families with yeah. with the people and uh, like you know, just see you know, but if it, the differences, you know, it's, you know, like, like um, you know, we got we got followers. I got over a hundred hits already. I got, I get five thousand on my Facebook Live platform. I, I literally get, and this is no BS. I, uh, I get, um, I get uh, anywhere from fifty five hundred to eight thousand viewers just on that views a week on that, just on that alone, that one platform. And. Uh, I'll get kind of winded here on what I was going to say though, but yeah. that's like, man, it's kind of prophetic what I was thinking. There was some stuff there that was pretty deep and it was like... Last night? Yeah, that's what I said. Right when you were pulling in, I was thinking this and I was like, I got to mention this. I mean, I, 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 that's honestly, bro. That's like one of my. I'm not even BSing when I say this. That's one of my. It's one of my anointings. Is a prophetic, a prophetic one. And Kurt, Kurt noticed it right away. He said, "I want to play this too." Was that? This is that, that ad that I wanted to add to last night. This is Jordan Police, and when I visit Bismarck, I always have to turn up the truth with my guy Chad. And you can catch him weekdays from 6:30 to 9 a.m. We always turn up the truth here at 107 FM, Jordan. And now, Bismarck, my dad, I'm Chad. Turn up the truth, and you have a chance to win. Tickets to the Jordan Police concert here October 21st at New Song Church. There's two parts to the contest. One, give me correct answer to what song quick. is playing during this ad. Two, go on, turn up the truth, like my page, inbox me the correct answer to the question. The 15th correct answer in my inbox will win. So Watch me me get blown up now. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and unmute them too. Welcome back, Bismarck. One, this is 100.7 FM and Turn Up the Truth. Unmute. Welcome back, Bismarck. This is 100.7 FM. Uh, I'm Chad. This is Turn Up the Truth and I got Jeremy in the studio. You just heard that um, commercial right there. So you have a chance to win Jordan Feliz tickets to the October 21st show here at New Song Church. Uh, it's a small show, seats are limited, and um, so and it's, it's going to be a good good concert. So um, if you didn't hear the commercial, it'll play again this hour, and the 15th person on that will win tickets. So we were talking before the break, Jeremy, about uh, a vision and a prophetic thing that you, you were, you know. So let's continue right there, and, you know, kind of, if you want to kind of maybe just bullet point what we were talking about, because some of the viewers saying they weren't hearing us on the online feed, so all hopefully right. that's fixed now. All right, well, uh, shout out to all my Turtle Mountain crew, 
a shout out to Monty this morning. What up, Monty? Um, so yeah, no, I had talked a little bit about who I am. My name is Jeremy Lasser, and I'm running for tribal chairman for Turtle Mountain Band in Chippewa. But I'm also a man in recovery, and kind of shared like how God reached in and saved me, and, and and basically said that it's my job to go back in and pull people out of the fire. So live in the light now, and and do what I need to do, and and, and live a live a life of fellowship and service to the people. Um, and I really do believe in my heart this is the right thing to do. I prayed about even running and you know of course I've toyed with the thoughts in previous years and I've never actually really done it and I prayed about it and ultimately I heard God say run. Yeah so that's that's good because you know that that's that makes a big that determines a lot of things in a lot of people's uh, mind, uh, mindset you know like uh, for instance when I vote for like the president or you know, on a senator, I actually, you know, I kind of look at all the factors, and then the first thing I look at when I look at the candidates is where, where's their faith? Right. You know, I want to know that I'm, 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 you know, voting for a person who has a belief system at least, you know, and if a person is not, doesn't represent, you know, a faith and and have a belief in in God, then you know, I'm kind of like I have a hard time really trying to connect and and yeah. believe that their policies or whatever they're pushing or their platform they're pushing. Is going to be what I'm going to agree with, you know. One of the bigger things that I I, I, I believe right where I'm at in this is uh, I want to bring to the table being relatable to the people. You know, I've been a GM of a casino. I've been a, a business owner. I've been a school board member. You know, I've I've done CrossFit for years. Um, of course, in in addiction, yeah. I kind of more or less started focusing more on spirituality, and I had to let go of the physical part, but. I guess the reason why I say that is the spectrum of people that I've came across, and and of course, you know, I I came to a point where my you know I had an affair on my wife, and I was sleeping in my car. Yeah, and 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 I've been there. I mean, and I've been to that point. I've hit that rock bottom as well. I've actually went beyond that at at a certain point. But uh, I I I like what you said when you were talking about where the youth. Uh, okay, we come from a place. I'm gonna run down some numbers for for you people out there. Uh, just real quick, because I had to do the research and just I, I really just couldn't believe what I saw in the numbers yeah. from just our home home, you know, and you know what's even more disturbing to me is like how okay I was or even the people that live there were are are accepting of that of that lifestyle. We're desensitized and we're starting to normalize abnormal behavior. Exactly, and that's what I was talking about when I was talking about my son Cameron. We were walking out of the church the other day, and you know. And this is when I realized what my addiction has done to my children, you know, in, you know, the damage, the kind of damage it has done and the interaction between me and their mother. And it's like this, he's seen one of his friends from the church here going home with both his mom and his dad. And he was wondering why they weren't getting in separate cars and not going to their own houses. Yeah. And he thought that was, no, he thinks that's the normal. And, and, and that's part of what goes on on the reservation. That's what they, you know, they have... There's a lot of blended families. Yes. And there's a lot of, uh, and that becomes the normal thing. And there's a lot of, you know, what, what is, the, you know, the weekly events, uh, darts, Thursday nights, pool leagues, Wednesday nights, uh, you know, the weekend's coming, so we got to be in the bar. You know, there's a lot of less family things and more me, 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 me things. And a lot of people like to, they don't want to realize that that's where a lot of the addiction starts. And if your kids are at home and not being taken care of alone, that was it takes is one of their friends that's already started using or started to dabble with that come along and say hey, you know come over and we'll hang out and offer it you know and isn't that the truth i um as a, before we went into our break i had talked about you know my traumas is you know maybe my wife and i were talking maybe it was the abandonment growing up you know why i turned to drugs and alcohol and why i got into that and even the sexual part because i was a womanizer and i did all kinds of things i really got not to do and things i'm not proud of because you know, women and, and other people, men too, need to be treated with respect. And I was not the most respectful person. But again, God, our Lord, humbled me and literally floored me to my knees. And like, that was the point where I surrendered. And I, you know, I accepted God. Um, turning point in my life. I mean, I don't, I really don't have nothing to prove to anybody except to be an example. And and that's, that's, that's the best way to prove anything. Um, and he has, and I like how you put that. And uh, he he has to humble us. I mean, I was the same way. I was, 
I was disrespectful. I was rude. I became, you know, um, I got involved in things that like most people don't actually ever get out of. And I was, I became physically violent. I mean, I would, I would, I did things that to people that I'm not proud of. And I put my family in a lot of danger, and I put myself in a lot of danger. And I, by all, by all standards, in most and in most situations, I should be dead or in prison for the rest of my life. You're of the hopeless variety. Yes, I feel, I feel like I'm in that same category. So one thing, Chad, like that. Um, you know, my wife and I, as we continued this conversation about, like, um, maybe it was the uh, abandonment, you know, because I lived with my grandmother. Of course, I had a really good life. I never grew up around drugs or alcohol. I mean, my grandma never drank. I think in my entire life, I've seen her drink screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a total of four or five times my entire life. So it's not that I was raised around it. I had that genetic disposition. Yes, and I believe that's, we have a genetic, I believe that's a, you know, part of our genes that that addiction that you know that we can't stop. You know, once we start and once we start, yeah. And boy, I tell you what, I, I was like, when I was drinking beer, I was like, remember when you, the Kool Aid kid when you were a little kid? Yeah. Hey, hey Kool Aid. You yeah. Know, I'd be like, Hey Corona. I'd come <laughs> jumping through the wall, and I seen like this beer bottle. I mean, I, I would work all day or whatever I was doing, whether it be in the office or out in the yard, whatever, and I would visualize this nice big. I don't know, cooler full of beer and uh, yeah, just sweating, crack, ice cold, and I'm like cracking uh, one after the you know hot oh, day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, that was what part of it, you know, like with me even like, uh, okay, so when my first child was born, I I, I was when I was 20 years old, 21, I stopped all the heavy drugs when he was first born, you know, yeah. uh, but I continued to drink, and that was my go-to then, you know, and and for years I was an alcoholic, but I do, I never admitted or identified with being an alcoholic. I uh, I thought, well, this is acceptable, socially acceptable. It's legalized. You know, I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. But when you start abusing it to the point where that becomes the main focal point of everything you're doing. Oh, jeez. You know, that's yeah. like if if there was times when I wouldn't attend like a family function because they didn't want no drinking going on. Yeah. Oh, well, you can't have a beer. You know. You know. I'll just go hang out. With, you know. Feel like the oddball. And see, that yeah. was me. Like my my in-laws, they own a bar. And so a lot of our activities would, you know, fall around, like, let's just say Thanksgiving, you know, we'd eat whatever and probably head over to the lounge. But I was not a social drinker either. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I much preferred to be either go booze cruising or sit in my house and drink and watch TV or, you know, kind of mosey around yeah. and stuff and just get drunk and... And, and, and pass out. Ob- <laughs> obnoxious and pass out. Yeah. <laughs> so I was not a good drunk. I was definitely a horrible drunk. I was not good at it. Yes. Uh, I don't think anybody's good at it. I think, you know, <laughs> I remember somebody told, told me this and I'm not going to say this person because <laughs> this person's name, but they're like, when I get drunk, I make better decisions when I'm drunk. And I'm, I'm like, wow, you're the first person yes. that's, you're the first person that's ever in the history of drinking that, that has ever been the case. I said, <laughs> you know, and, and they really believed it. Yeah, they sure. thought they thought that was that they were a better person, and not just that. To me, that you know, at the time I was laughing and we, I was giving them you know some crap about it. But I was like, I think back to that conversation for some reason, and I think you know, man, that's that's the way like we think though up there, you know. Well, here, here's, I'm I get really winded, but th- this was what was prophetic about this, and I'll try to cut right to it. As, you know, abandonment. I thought maybe that was part of the, uh, you know, contributing factor, you know, the precursor. But, you know, when, when we're up in the Turtle Mountains and in, in our particular community, um, me specifically, uh, I would drink and I, I started developing learned behavior. Oh, yeah. And so aside from the trauma of like having that genetic disposition, yeah. there's two things that are already. Then the third one is, is course what do people do in the turtle bonds usually they go out drink and snag whatever and yeah. get into fights yeah and that was how i was living and i don't remember ever waking up at any point or any time thinking oh man i'm glad about what i did last night i really i feel good about it. i mean we i think all can relate to waking up and thinking oh my god what did i do last night yeah i I'm, oh, yeah i agree I, I mean that's that that's that's the that's the routine i mean i remember barney's beach i remember you know like boys i remember the bonfires like i mean Every weekend, and then the cops would raid it while we'd just find a new spot the next weekend. I mean, Barney Beach was a happening place for years. You know, that's where it's the go-to for everybody out there. Yeah. And, but, I mean, you know, and a lot of, you know, as it, as we seen that all as normal. That was our normal weekend. Oh, man, we looked forward to it, you know, getting with your friends and about five, six guys in a car, pitching in for some gas and some booze, and then end up at the party. Even the bars in Canada would cater to that. They had this thing called American Night on Wednesday nights because they knew they would get the high school kids to come up there. We would be 16, get 90s from relatives that looked close to us oh, that were yeah. 18. 
going across the border and drinking, you know, I mean, so that's all part, of, you know, I go back even a little bit further though, Jeremy, to like, okay, before I left Minneapolis and, you know, I, in Minneapolis, I experienced like a, my first year there, it was like a, a nightmare. It was a horror story. But I mean, before I had left, I remember not wanting to leave. Uh, I wanted to stay on the res around my friends and play basketball and stuff because I, lo- I loved basketball and stuff. But I hadn't experienced uh, the drinking culture yet. I was 10 years old when my dad moved us to Minneapolis. But uh, I, I remember uh, having this, this thing inside of me. I didn't know what to believe about God because mm. I was doing the catechism and the first communion, first confession and stuff. Yeah. And then I had like, you know, um, braids, uh, the frambois, you know, like that, the, yep. the, his, his sons and all them were around my age. So they had like the cultural, they were the cultural pull from in the school. So like, there was that spiritual warf- warfare going on at a young age already, co- leaving, you know, the reservation. Top that with, you know, I don't know how you got taught uh, the history of the Native Americans and the whole, this whole stories of like Little Big Horn and all that stuff. But I got taught to it by a teacher who really emphasized the, 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 the horror part of it. Yeah. And then emphasized the fact that, we, well, we were slaughtered, you know. So then I started thinking, you know, kind of glorified like dis- destroying native culture and, and well, genocide. Glorifying yeah, genocide. I mean, and and and, it, and, it, and that's what it was. But I mean, when you're in second and third grade and you're learning about the the pilgrims coming over, you don't hear about the, them, you know, the pilgrims slaughtering the natives in most time in most other schools. But you know, that's how my particular teacher did. But I mean, I had this built up thoughts about surrounding communities around the reservation and and the people in them towns but you take even like what's coming up i mean it just goes to show what the shift is in society because you got columbus day coming up and it's a federal holiday still yeah and i think the states not it hasn't happened yet in north dakota and this would be something even as a tribal chairman that i would bring to the forefront i know that uh, the universities are recognizing first nations day and you know columbus we didn't get discovered you know no he didn't even land on this he didn't even land on the uh, united states soil he landed on we were already here first of all yeah and and he didn't land on the united states soil either so i don't even know why we recognize it in this country but i mean yeah we were already here we were indigenous to this land so we didn't get discovered yeah yeah so i mean you know columbus day is kind of i don't know there's certain things that i just kind of disagree with you're right but i mean like i go back to that mindset now as a child Mm -hmm. And you're, you're growing up with that. So that's why I think, you know, a lot of Native, especially where we're from, I, I believe a lot of Native uh, cultures uh, really, really have that, that struggle going on, you know? Yeah. There's um, a cultural identity, definitely. It's, uh, and that, it goes back to the generational trauma. You know, my grandma was part of the, the boarding school era. And, and my grandma's the oldest of 18 on the Parisian side. Yeah. She told me before she had passed away, and I've heard the same story from my aunts, that they remember the sleigh coming, ching, 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 yeah. with, uh, and it was the, uh, it was basically the Bureau of Indian Affairs coming to take the kids and run them off to boarding school. My grandma got taken when she was four or five years old, and her, they were four, four, five, four, three, and I think maybe even two, but her, my Auntie Mita, my Auntie Lucy, and I think my Uncle Tom got to stay, and so, but they took, because he was the oldest boy, he got to help yeah. with the farm, but my uh, my three aunts, well, my two aunts, my grandma, they got taken off, and my grandma didn't come back till I think she said she was seventeen years old. She didn't even recognize, and she was like, she didn't know who her parents were. She didn't even recognize because she was Cause so she, small. Yeah, she was so small when they took her, and then she they. I mean, and the boarding schools, I think that they were they were brought to then days was down in Flandre, right? I think so, in Marty and uh, yeah, Flandre and, and Marty, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, uh, and the, some kids they still get sent to Flandre, but I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that happen there, and but see, when we build up that generational trauma and we we put pass it on to our children, instead of trying to build a, a, a more positive uh, mindset in our kids, well, we're built, we're starting a new generational trauma now. What's happening was, and so this is, I'll wrap up. I'm still carrying on. No, no, this no, is okay. this is good. This is good. <laughs> so, because of all these things about how we're, we we live and kind of the standards that we live that we can, we were desensitizing our kids by going on these trail rides. And I'm not saying they're bad, but I mean, take your kids, yeah. you know, that kind of thing, maybe versus, you know, just, you know, making it about the, they make it about the adults, you know, it's the adults having grown up and they, it's about drinking. It's, yeah. That's what it's about. I mean, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's what I see all the time. I mean, you stay selfies with them being drunk and posing, you know, I yeah. mean, where's your kids? Yeah. You know, you know, they're home alone. 
So what we're doing is we're creating a culture now. So we, we talk about my traumas. Let me go back to my traumas, my traumas of being abandoned. Even yep. though I was, I, that's what I would refer to it as and then learned behavior, abandonment and learned behavior. Our kids are going to be going through that. So we're going through a whole new generation of maybe limited abandonment and yeah. some, you know, uh, more learned behavior of like, because they're, 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 they don't have the supervision. So um, I, I see other things happening unless we really start responding at a lower level and putting a lot of emphasis in our children. And, and that's what we talked about last night. I said, yes. you know, I said, I have a, I, 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 I told Jeremy, I said that, you know, I said, First of all, I told you you had my vote. Second of all, I went point blank. I said I have a, I have a ministry, and I'm gonna because there's gonna be negativity no matter what you do. And my the whole thing, all I'm trying to do is trying to help where I'm from, the people I'm related to, to change the way things are done up there. I mean, we gotta have our children believe in a different way as they grow up. They gotta believe that they they're not stuck there. First of all, that they can be anything they wanna be. I had Virgil Hill on on last Friday, and we were talking a little bit about that. Virgil's really passionate about Native communities. And one of the things he said is we got to go to our youth and we got to get them, you know, doing more positive things yes. and thinking in a more positive way. And they got to understand, you know, and if they give you that excuse, well, I'm, you know, they, they have it easier than I do. No. Well, that means you have to work harder. That means you'll 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 uh, you'll appreciate it more when you get it, too. I was recently visiting with uh, uh, a gentleman. He's a principal, uh, Gaylord Peltier. I know Gaylord. You know Gaylord? Yeah. I know well, uh, actually a relative of mine. Good, good guy. Well, we, he and I were talking and we had talked about some of the things maybe that they had did. Well, let me back up. He said, Jeremy, he said, you know, we got basketball. We got all these things for youth and these gyms and, you know, and it's nice. He said, but he said, you know, he said, when I was young, he said in the 60s, he said, we had this uh, boxing club. He said, now I always remember I was a little kid in those St. Piers, he said, they'd come walking in and they had these, this big chief on their jacket and it said boxing club, native boxing club. He said, that was the identity I had. He said, that was what I could identify. He said, I was proud of that. He said, yeah. to be a part of that. He said, I'm not promoting fighting. He said, but it's an outlet. He said, it is. It's a positive one too. And it teaches children discipline. It teaches them hard work and it teaches them, you know, exercise. And it also, because you have to be disciplined as a boxer. Mm -hmm. It's not just going into a ring, throwing fists. Because I was a boxer as well. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and you, it's a lot of hard work, man. I mean, I remember my trainer dropping me off like six or seven miles from his house and saying, okay, I'll see you. We'll, we'll start training when you get to the house. Yeah. I was like, you know, I only got like six miles here, you know, and, yeah. and I'd have to run it, you know. And so I'd get it there and I'd be just dog tired and then that, we would just be getting started, you know. Yeah. And, and But it taught me discipline. I was in shape and exercise, you know, and I didn't use the boxing part of it for outside anything at one in them days. But, you know, after the fact, you know, it kind of did, you skill me in a way, but I mean, that's because I, I wasn't doing anything spiritually or emo or and healing myself emotionally in any yeah. kind of way. So I had all that stuff built up inside, you know, it, it was an outlet to get that out. And that's I probably the two best years of my teen years was the years that I boxed. Yeah. Well, I got uh, Shannon Gunville and I got to give them credit to Shannon Gunville. She's been a boxer for years and I, I believe she, you know, still boxes. And the other one is Doug Delorme. Oh, Doug. Yeah, I'm related to Doug as a relative of mine as well. And Doug's, a, yeah, he boxed for a lot of years. And so they, we have people that probably be willing to train. And I do believe we have a ring up at the Dunseek Fitness Center. Yeah, we do. And and there's other, there's, um, I have a young man here that's, uh, he's got, he's in the process of putting together this thing called Neveas, which is heaven spelled backwards. Um, and it's, uh, it's a boxing ministry where he, he wants to t take the youth and his name is Mike and he's, uh. You know, and I talked to Virgil, and we're, it's something that we're working on, and this is something I wanted to reach into Native communities with that, because it does start with the youth. I mean, we, if we get programs that keep them busy and keep them doing positive activities, they're gonna they're gonna have a better mindset. Well, and that that kind of ties into like all of what I was saying too. Now, perfect, you know, I can bring it together. Is that, you know, parents and families as a unit can start looking towards you know you know kind of rallying around kind of a common cause, and if it's if it's going to be boxing or if it's going to be you know, it could be basketball camps it could be making music it could be music uh, music uh, clubs it could be i mean i remember the bad boys wrestling club does it still exist well no they they dropped the name bad boys but yeah yeah and then see you know there was a lot more for us to do as children growing up there and we, and we still didn't have that positive you know but i mean yeah so you know here's like my my thing is a four point and i, and I explained it a little bit last night it starts with where your biggest impact on our on in reservation and native communities is going to be 
And uh, Ken and Curry Hall with Kingdom Business too, they agree, like I talked in depth with them about this and it's like, it starts with the youth. You got, that's, you got to change their mindset. Yes. And they got, they got to be able to believe that, you know, that they can do anything and they're not, you know, and that they're smart enough and they're, and they're bright enough to do this too. And native people are, and, um, you know, just just be teaching them more positive things in life. The second part about it is what is the biggest problem that plagues most reservations today? It actually it's all over the place, but what's the biggest problem plaguing our reservation? Oh definitely it's gotta be drugs and alcohol. Okay. So now this is where you you get into like I have a friend named Adam Martin who has a thing called F project F five project where he mentors up people in recovery and uh makes uh peer support specialists out of them, you know, I, and I just refer to them as mentors. But they live in a positive life in recovery, and they 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 just basically just it's like a sponsor, so to speak, but not really, because you just you just kind of spend time with them and teach them how to you know mm-hmm. you just hang out with them so they can witness a positive life in recovery. Yeah. And uh, I believe once we start getting people into recovery, the best way to keep them into recovery is by you know having this, this peer support stuff. But where the change you know, and then and keeping them and building up other mentors, and you can go with the war on drugs all you want. And that's and, and and that's a good thing. You know, I mean, you're, you're fighting against the, mm-hmm. the, the the distribution and, but from where I come from in that world, you know, one one goes down, two more right right there, ready to take place. And we talked about this, and I thought about that too. Okay, so you got the war on drugs, boom, yeah. or you got you deal with the addiction part of thing, which is going to be your recovery and treatment, or you deal with the trauma, you know, which kind of like I said, sits below the surface. You start dealing with trauma and those those issues at that level. There's a good chance they're not going to get to the addiction part or become drug dealers and yeah, that and part. that's where the like that's why I said that, see what with the youth ministries and stuff like that is that's an absolute vital and must big part of like this whole process and healing that I that I have outlined. Uh, they that's where the long term and the the biggest impact is going to be made for the future going forward. Yep, but the immediate and visual impact that happens right now. Yes. It's reaching into the addiction community and getting the people, you know, and that and that's that that's there's two parts to that as well. I mean, it's it's part of the four part thing, but it's not just the addicts themselves getting them in recovery and keeping them there and mentoring them. A stat for you: six, after six months of recovery, eighty five percent of the relapses that happen after that is due to interaction with the addict and his family or his relationship. It's uh, because the family hasn't been ministered to or did any counseling themselves, so they still have the mentality of treating the addiction and and looking at the person as the addict and not the other way around. So there's there's involvement of getting the families the kind of mentoring and uh, maybe treat you know like counseling they need right and how to handle this, the 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 situation because I'm gonna tell you like something and this is this was also part of my social reform and and I know it's probably it, it may be a federal mandate but I'm not sure and I, I need to find out a little bit more so I don't want to sound like I'm like, yeah. misinforming anybody but the trauma that we went through within my own family my kids I was trying to get them into counseling and because they were trying to externalize their emotions and what they were feeling of course you got mandated reporters now and, yeah. and then, of course, you know, get good old child welfare knocking on your door saying, you know, well, you know, we're here to check you out, which I believe is totally, it's important. It's important. It, but it's, I mean, it's important. But, you know, if kids are trying to externalize their feelings and how they're feeling hurt. Yeah. How is that? I mean, they're not really able to truly externalize yeah. their feelings if they're trying to externalize. And then all of a sudden they're saying, you know, Especially well, if they don't know how to do it. And if they don't know how. And so my kids shut down. My kids said, I will not go back to mental health. I will not. But I don't believe that's necessarily. I just believe we need to remodify the, the, the guidelines or the mandates because kids need to feel that they're in a safe environment, of course, all the time. And that might be at home and or at mental health. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more because my, my, my own daughter, too, she suffers from like social anxiety and, 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 and other things. And she'll shut down in like a crowd of like six or five people. She, mm-hmm. She'll freeze up. Like and it's just it's due to a lot of things that my you know they, she she witnessed she was the child that went through the whole addiction part. My older boys were pretty much <clears throat> on the end of their high school days, mm-hmm. and uh, you know and I didn't even realize how bad it affected them. But God brought me through a season where they each all had significant time with me alone after that. When I first got into recovery and they got to let me have it, you know, and God was I mean I just remember. Him telling me, you gotta let him say what he's gonna say. You just just shut up, you know, because in that moments, most of the time I'd freak out, and I, yeah. they were looking for that too. They were looking right at me, mm-hmm. waiting for that to happen, and I blow up, and it didn't happen. And uh, 
you know, you know, come since since my walk of crisis began, you know, it doesn't make mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I don't uh, I don't struggle with things. I struggle with things all the time. That just means that I have a better way of dealing with them. And I give it, you know, and I I pray about everything. I have good spiritual advisors and and people I can go to with my problems. And uh, I don't bottle them up like I used to, you know. Oh, yeah. And so, like that brings me to the last part of this 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 thing is the change in the programming and the way things are done, you know. Like, uh, and that takes leadership. That takes leader stepping forward and not being afraid to be a voice for people, and just wanting to see actual reform and change. And and, and uh, like it's gonna it doesn't it's not a one person thing and it's not even a five person thing. It's a community thing. It's Absolutely. A community, you know. So, I mean, like you really have to be as a, as a, a, a tribe or as a native country we have to really really look at who we are electing as our leaders and to make sure that they do have the right you know people are going to judge people for who their, their past that's that's just the way it is back then people like to hold on to pat that's why we have generational trauma because mm -hmm. we're, we're dragging up things from the past you know um generational trauma is something that i call bs on just about every time with people because it's like this you keep using that as an excuse, you're gonna stay exactly right where you're at. Yeah. I always say, you know, the windshield's a lot bigger than your rearview mirror, so keep looking forward, don't look yeah, behind you. Exactly, and uh, it's one of, you know, I uh, I really, like I said, you know, I God's put something on me, and I've seen it, and I've, I've even almost felt like I felt it when when that's everything's gonna happen, and there's gonna be a big, big God's gonna move through the turmoils, he is, and he's gonna, and. I've also been told by a lot of spiritual leaders and advisors, people who have high, high, high places in ministries throughout the United States, they all look at me and they say this. And my good friend Bobby Gray who even said it: uh, the natives, the native culture is going to be a big part of when the revival, when God starts moving through all, not just native countries through the United States, yeah. because we are a spiritual, we are a spiritual culture. And when we grasp a belief system. We're, we're all in we're, we're in it wholeheartedly i mean we yeah. we believe it we i mean because like we we're spiritual we are very spiritual people we have a beautiful culture and we have beautiful traditions and that's that's what we should be taught as children and the you know the history of it you know what sometimes i almost rather that they just leave that out until they hit college because they really doesn't matter going yeah. forward to it but you know um the way the world is today well culture should be in really your your first teachers are at home yeah so you know if, if culture is important and, and you want it to be important or play a role in your life or your children's life be that example at home so that's why i say you know anishinaabe and dao you know that's who i am and and i share that my kids have grown up around ceremony my kids can talk more ojibwe than i can and so can mine <laughs> uh my you know and it, it's a uh, I, you know, be proud of who you are. And, you know, just because it's like, uh, I remember when I first spoke out about, you know, I spoke out about my faith and my Christian beliefs. Mm -hmm. There was people from back home, my, mostly relatives, that were like, oh, you're ashamed of who you are now, huh? Blah, blah, blah. And I just, I said, you know what? I said, man, the same blood that ran through my veins before I, I found God, because God showed up to me. I mean, I, I mean, I experienced, I had an experience with God that was supernatural and, and I saw it, you know? So the biggest thing, and, and this is part of recovery, and I believe it's strong recovery, is that if, uh, if somebody's going to compare, they're looking for a reason to find out. They're looking for a, 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 a kink in your armor. And, and to me, I, you don't compare. Because in, in recovery, whether it be 12-step program of AA or you know, Celebrate Recovery, whatever, there's a, there's a, there's a prayer called the nine-step promise. Yep. And you know, if you came to this painstaking yeah. belief, you know, that, that part of it. Basically, what the, the ninth step prayer is, and it's for the agnostics and atheists, is that if you do good, good things will happen. And God will find you. Dude, that's how God's going to show himself to you. So, yeah. And so it's like, whether, because I don't care. I, bro, I have Sundance too. Yeah. I've carried my pipe for years. And, and I, that's a part of who we are. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's still a part of who we are. Um, but I do believe in, in Jesus, and I believe that he saved me. And... And I'm a, I'm I'm a walking testament to that you know the power of prayer and and, and surrendering. Yes, and and the, the very first time I ever like okay, you know if you ever, you've been filled with the spirit obviously um the very first time that ever happened to me I never I didn't know what was going on bro I didn't I was just like <laughs> see that was the first question I had on these connect cards that we have here at the church when you go to service you know what are you interested in having they have two things on the bottom it says baptism of the Holy Spirit and water baptism I'm like. 
Isn't there only one kind of baptism? You know, and I'm just not, this is the first time I'm even trying to enter into church by myself, you know, and, and, and go because I want a message. I want to hear from God. I'm trying to, you know, I just want to, I'm learning about my faith. I'm just not starting Bible studies. And I just remember seeing that, uh, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So I checked them off. And, you know, God was moving that day too because as soon as I was checking them off, filling out this connect card, it was the first time I ended up in this church. And the... Quick story, and I've told this story plenty of times on air, but uh, it's I don't know if I ever told you how I how I met Kurt. Okay, mm -hmm. the first uh, I was actually coming out of my addiction. I had just tried for the last time, uh, tried to, to take my own life, and in a very drastic and horrific way. And God showed up in my life in that moment. Yeah. And two weeks two weeks later, I ended up at this church. But for like two weeks, I went from being homeless, starving, no money, mentally just. Uh, detached, uh, you know, just I was a menace to my. I was a, tr uh, I was hurtful. I mean, I was a danger to myself and everybody else, and I could and I, I couldn't feel nothing. And I was like I said, maybe eight second attention span on any any one topic, and I just had had enough. You know, I just wanted it to be done. So I did what I did, and God did. You know, I've told the story like I said several times. So I just, I'll just recap. But I mean, and I was for two weeks, he moved. I went from being homeless to having an apartment to having a job back in the union. Um, you know, just people were showing up in my life that God was placing there, you know. And I kept hearing these two words in the back of my head, you know, like new and song, new song, new song. And a friend of mine, I, I was going to like 22 meetings a week, AA and NA. They have really good meeting schedules here in Bismarck. Uh, and I just remember a friend of mine looking at me and said, you want to go to uh, church with me on Sunday? He said, you, he said, I noticed that you talk about God a lot, you know, and how, you know, yeah. He said, you're going through something. You want to come to church with me? He said, I think you'd like it. I said, uh, I looked at him and said, what, what church you go to? And um, at this point, I had been attending a couple different churches, just kind of felt like that's, you know, I didn't feel at home there. People were really friendly, but it didn't feel like where I was supposed to be. And he said, new song. And I went, new song? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go with you. As soon as he said it, I said, yeah, instantly. I walked in, he went to go get coffee right away, and I'm standing up on the gathering place on them steps by where that donation box is, and I'm looking down. You know, it's kind of waiting for him to come back, and this guy comes up, taps me on the shoulder, and he says, uh, "You new here?" He said, "Yeah." And they have greeters that you know that greet you and stuff. And I thought that's who it was, and uh, he's like, uh, "Yeah." He said, uh, "I could tell." You're, he says, uh, "You got that new kind of guy look or something like that." <laughs> However you put it, but uh, he's like, uh, "This is a great church, though. Great people, great church family." He said, "Pastor's really good looking. He's really funny. He's really smart." And when he said "good looking," I kind of looked at him the first time. And then he's like, "But he said that again." He's and he's really good looking, and uh, you know, um, he delivers a sincere message. He's really great, and he's really good looking. And then and he said, "But uh, he goes, uh, we, we gotta go. You know, I'll see you in there and stuff like that." And so like, I could hear the worship music going, and then Drake, one of the youth pastors here, uh, comes up and does the announcements and. I was looking at this connect card, and that's when I seen water baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I, I was like, what is the difference, you know? So I checked them both, filled, I had filled out the card, and all of a sudden I heard, welcome up, Pastor Kirk Chafee, and I look up, and here's the guy who greeted me. You know, he, I thought he was just a greeter, he was the pastor. <laughs> that's why he kept saying the pastor's good looking. As, so I, I chuckled, I chuckled, that's what I did. I was like, oh, well, at least this, the pastor's got a sense of humor, you know? And... That same day, though, like uh, he he didn't speak long, and he and I remember him kind of smiling and pointing at me as he he seen me, you know, because he he knew that I was because I was just kind of chuckling like you did, you know, and uh, and uh, he he said we're uh, gonna share a man's testimony. He's got a powerful story, and then this band come up, and I went back to my card, and I've heard a lot of testimonies, and I usually like you know they weren't something that really appealed to me at the time. Can't really. Yeah, and but this guy got up and I I was listening though and like in the first two minutes of him talking I knew he had experienced everything I'd experienced and he'd been where I've been and I wanted to know and I looked up I seen this big giant guy I mean if anybody knows who Michael Streeper is and several people do a lot of people in the city know who Michael Streeper was he was like the criminal of all criminals in the city and he was me of Bismarck and then he went to prison and he found God second year in prison he was there for thirteen years he was he was flooring people in the Holy Spirit a man of fire of God and then. He, they, he got sick and they gave him less than a month to live he got out he got a compassion release he went through the surgery at the hospital and they said they told him the best we could do is get, make you comfortable for six months and he says well I appreciate the, the, your you know your diagnosis doc but he said uh, that's not going to happen he said Jesus got me 
a month later after they did this little surgery, which they said we, they couldn't do nothing about it, yeah. he come back, he was completely cancer-free. And he went on to live two and a half more years. And he needed a liver, though, after that. And he knew that. And he was on a don donor list. They just couldn't find one for him in time. And uh, he passed away two and a half years later. But he got the experience two and a half years. And then two and a half years, he became a teacher out of Teen Challenge. Um, and he influenced a lot of lives, including mine. He brought God into a lot of people's lives. He was my very first teacher in the Word. And, um, you know, he was on fire for God. And he was an inspiration to a lot of people. He got, he got, he got to get married, experience family. You know, all of that, all the stuff that he never wanted to experience and he was never supposed to experience because he was in prison. Yeah. But God rewarded rewarded his faithfulness in, from what he was doing in prison with two and a half years of freedom before he passed on and took him up. And I remember the day of his funeral, I was one of the pallbearers and I was just, I was down. He's my best friend at the time. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I was sad and I was grieving. And I just remember thinking, you know what, he wouldn't even want me to be grieving right now. Because this is the type of guy Michael Schrieffer was two days before he passed away. He prayed, he called me. He knew I was struggling with my uh, my relationship with my kids' mother and trying to get consistency in that. And he was like, uh, I'm calling to pray for you. He said, and that, that, he said, you know what? He said, you're doing the right thing. Just keep doing what you're doing. He said, it's not you. It's, you know, she's got to heal, all that stuff. I'll pray for both of you. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? You're in the hospital. I'll, I'll pray for you. I should be praying for you. Two days. He was in the hospital. He had been there for a month already. And he was calling me to pray for me. Nice. And, uh, you know, I just remember him in Bible studies always saying, I want to, uh, I really want to meet this guy when I get to heaven, or I want to talk to Jesus about this, or I'm going to talk to Paul about this. You know, he had questions. And so I remember thinking that at his funeral, and, I just, and four and a half hours later, after people were sharing their stories about Michael Streeper and all the things he did for them, it, it was just obvious to me that, you know, like I had to be celebrating this guy's life, not grieving him right now, you know, and, yeah. and that's what he would want me to be doing. So, like, I that's was one of my teachers and I was fortunate to have him, you know, and that's, that's what I, I, you know, I hope for everybody to have a teacher like that at first, you know. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not the most knowledgeable. I'm still learning and I'll probably, well, not probably, I will learn. The rest the, of our life. Yeah. And, and this has to go in my spiritual journey too, you know, learning more about God and how the scripture works. The Bible was written, two thirds of it was written by sinners. Oh yeah. Two thirds of that Bible, and we, you know, that it's the, the doctrine that we live off of in the Bible, and a lot of people in the Turtle Mountains probably could identify with this. We need to realize and, and, and take a step back and just let that digest. Two thirds of that Bible that we preach on Sundays yes. is written by sinners. Think about, think about Moses. He was an Egyptian prince. Mm -hmm. He might have been one of the, you know, but he was saved by the, the, the uh, Pharaoh's wife and brought in as her own. He was raised, he, he didn't know God until he was 72 years old. He was called at the age of 72 by God. Mm. He didn't know anything about the Christian or, you know, the biblical ways. This was pre-Christ, pre so he didn't know anything about any of it. So, I mean, like, he, he, God doesn't call, call the qualified. He, he qualifies the call. You know, he takes you right where you're at, and he qualifies you to do the, 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 to do the will that he has, the job for, he has for you. And that's, and that's where I believe, like, there's a calling on you and several others up in the Turtle Mons as well as myself. And it's, it's people like us that are going to be the ones that are going to go up and be the examples and make the difference. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a big job, man, because we've fallen away from our, our, any kind of belief system that we may have. You know, I, I really look at what we look forward to and where our value systems have gone to. And I'm guilty of it. I'm I'm just as guilty as the next person. Yeah. Because like, uh, family values have not. They're not the same as when I was a child, man. I remember big family gatherings, and everybody was like about family. Oh yeah. And and nowadays you don't see that kind of stuff happening at all. Right. You know, it seemed like once the grandparents, our our grand our grandparents at that generation, it seemed like once they start to you know go away, you know, and pass on. It seems like a little bit at a time that that's what passes on with them. And that's, yeah, that's true. Like our, uh, our conventional, you know, what we're used to looking at as far, as far as families, because my grandma's was the gathering point. You know? Yeah. And my grandma, my grandma Leona's was the same thing. You know, that's, that's where we, that's where everybody congregated, you know, that's, yeah. we're all going to grandma's. We knew that on the holidays or even for any, just not even holidays, just sometimes on the weekends we would have like, We'd gather up or we'd go to the lake and go to grandma's afterwards, you know, whatever it may be. But you always knew you were welcome to grandma's yeah. house. 
There was always baked goods, you know, and there was everything. And they could cook up there, man. Looking looking forward to, like, mashed potatoes. Yep, yep, that's what I said. They could, could cook, man. You know, it's like there was always something good to eat, you know. And, you know, um, that don't happen no more. No. You know, and we need to get back to real traditional type of ways. I mean, and, and culture and tradition doesn't necessarily have to mean 100 or 200 years ago. No. It could be what we were used to grow up. And yeah, that's just, just that core value system. I mean, yeah. like, we, we were going to change. I mean, we were, the change was going to happen no matter what. It was inevitable because look where, where the world is today. There was no way that our culture was going to be here still living in teepees and doing that while this was happening around us. Yeah. We, we were going to change with the times. Whatever happened, happened. It just happened in, you know, not so good ways, you know, in some places. And, but we can be the...